welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 22nd, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to have you back, and I am excited to get into these texts this week. And I'm hoping that you're enjoying your summer if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. I know that I am. It's been really nice up here. But I think this week, as we kind of dig into these texts, I know we've kind of had some unique texts the past few weeks, especially last week. I think this is one of the parts of the summer that I think is really unique because it's a time that we can do a lot of building within the congregation as a whole. As leaders in the church, I think we have a great opportunity to really challenge and have good questions and start to think about and ponder some of these different things. So if there are certain things that you would like me to maybe look at discussing in the next few weeks, feel free to shoot me an email, uh, tweet at me, feel free just to get in contact, and I would love to hear some of these. I'd love to have maybe some type of dialogue discussing some of these different ideas as we are processing through Pentecost and maybe you want to discuss or talk about something different. As we get into this, do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. They have a lot of great materials there from commentaries to, I know I've brought up their Sermon Brainways podcast multiple times before, but there are also just really good discussion stuff on there. And if you have some time, if you're maybe pondering some of these things, and it's a good place and a good resource to look into and utilize. So I would highly encourage, if you haven't already checked it out, to check out Working Preacher. As we get into this ninth Sunday of Pentecost, we We have our gospel reading out of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 34 and 53 through 56. So a couple things that we need to remember before we get into this. So this is kind of a continuous reading of chapter 6 that we've been going through. So we have Jesus going to his hometown two weeks ago, finding that he really can't do that much and sends his disciples out. Followed immediately by the beheading story that we had last week of John the Baptist. And this picks up directly right after that. The verses that we're missing from 35 to 52 covers the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. And then it picks up after that. So just to kind of give you context of where we are in Mark right now. Again, remember that we're in Mark, so Mark doesn't like to provide details. But I again find that there's some unique details that he is bringing up here, especially in the first part of this scripture. So we have Jesus welcoming back his disciples. And I can see this just kind of like how I have gone through with my faith walk. These disciples coming back. And wanting to share their experiences with Jesus. But just like as we can imagine in these early cities, they're still hustling and bustling. So what does he do? He says, we're not able to really get the focus that I really want to hear about how these different things are going on. And what you all experienced. So let's travel somewhere different. They get on a boat. The people around Jesus that aren't disciples notice this and follow him to the other side of the lake. Then we get where Jesus would have had the feeding of the five thousand but these people are just they want to hear more they want to hear more and again thinking about they just had john the baptist die so maybe it's also kind of this building off of well if john died he kind of pointed to this jesus guy maybe i need to go and check him out so kind of an interesting way of thinking about this and then he we get a little bit of healing stories here at the end really really cool stuff and again bringing up this idea that we've heard multiple times in scripture of a sheep and a shepherd a sheep and a shepherd. 
And that continues in the first reading from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. And we get how it is being told to Jeremiah that the leaders of the time were often considered as shepherds and sheep, and that they're kind of scattering all these people. They're going out and doing whatever, where God's going to bring them back together and It's through the righteousness of God that this is going to happen through the rising up, in this case, of David as being the king, bringing the tribe of Israel back together. The alternative first reading that we've been kind of going through is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 14a. And this is where David is just excited. You got to remember, this is not that long after the Ark of the Covenant has come into Jerusalem. So I can really see David just being excited. And he comes to Nathan and says, I'm excited. I'm going to build what we would perceive as the temple, but build a place for God. And Nathan's like, great, that sounds awesome. The Lord comes to him during the night and says, this isn't his role. I've had these different houses, but this isn't what I have planned. That's for somebody else, which we'll find out is Solomon down the road. But this is not what I'm calling him to do. Kind of a flashback to last week when we talked about God's calling. And I can only imagine what it's like for Nathan to one tell David this. And then David, how does he perceive this afterwards? I could see this being very difficult to go through. So an interesting little piece there to work through. The psalm this week is probably the most familiar psalm we know in the church is Psalm 23. And so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So again, we have this shepherd context, which as you can probably imagine, that's kind of where I'm going to go in talking about sheep this week. And there's some really unique things that I think we can really harness from that. The second reading then is from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22. And again, Paul is talking about we have this division between peoples and how God kind of brings those together. He's bringing these people together. He's not seeing these divisions. And that it's because of this bringing together that the church will be built upon in the future. So that's a whole nother subject. And I think actually it ties in beautifully with sheep and we'll definitely get to that so as i was kind of going through this and trying to figure out what am i going to talk about with this and the obvious thing became sheep can give your basic facts and i'll attach the wikipedia page to sheep i don't know that much about sheep i know a little bit about sheep one of the cool things with sheep is if you're fall in the science world we like classifying them we like putting them in boxes when they maybe don't fit perfectly especially with living creatures So you have the kingdom of Animalia, which we would consider mostly animals. Phylum, which then is breaking the animals into, which is chordata, so essentially saying that they have a spine. The class is mammalia, so some type of mammal. But the one I find kind of funny that I think people forget about is if you skip over order and get down to family, it's bovivier, which is bovine. That would mean they're actually not that distant relatives to anything with like a hoof front. So you get your cattle would be in that. And I thought that was kind of a fun thing as I was kind of going through and preparing for this. But let's think about sheep just generally. I found out when I was going through this, there is over 40 different species of domesticated sheep in the world, which I found absolutely amazing. One of the things for me is the the science side of me, their stomach structure is 
very similar to a, a cow's that they have multiple stomachs and are going to chew their cud. So if you don't know what that is, that's where sheep or cows in this case will eat their grass or grasses of this nature and it goes into their stomach for first part digestion and then kind of bring it back into their mouth and will chew on it and work on it again and bring it back down having multiple stomachs which is unique they have teeth just in the front on the bottom and then they have traditional like molars there's a gap so if you've seen like a deer skull how there's kind of a gap and they'll their teeth in the front but they just have teeth on the bottom jaw on the front so again kind of unique things i was learning all about sheep i thought it was really interesting i didn't know that sheep and goats could even breed which i guess will make a a non-reproductive creature afterwards so kind of like a mule so again really really interesting and you can get into all the science of it and i wasn't finding really what i was looking for to really help us with digesting this passage as I was going through this, one of the species of wild sheep that they are confident has at least the descendants have come out of is Mufon. And I watched this guy go through a hunt. And one of the things I was really struck by is that these sheep, even in the wild, are going to travel in a flock. And sometimes the flock will disperse a little bit. But the young never want to get super far away from their parents. So if they found something that they were disturbed by, in this case, this hunter, they were all alert and they would take their steps back, but they were looking and waiting for the elders, which I thought was interesting as I'm kind of thinking about these passages and kind of thinking about the gathering of sheep. Again, I'll attach a video down below. The thing we've always heard of sheep responding to the shepherd's voice and this pseudo test, we'll put it that way of this guy telling three different people of what Collie's going to say to the sheep but that have them try before he does. And the sheep kind of just ignore these other three people. And the moment the shepherd goes and makes his call, they not only are very aware, you can notice a distinct difference that they are definitely aware to what is being said. They come running and they just surround this shepherd, which was incredible. And I'm kind of thinking about that and kind of basing a little bit off of one of the things I heard in the Sermon Braidway's podcast this week of how Jesus out of Mark's gospel here is both doing feeding and nourishing. And then I started even going a little bit further with it into some of my deep dives in the faith stuff I've gone into. But let's look at the Mark's gospel here and look at it from this perspective. You start with this first section of 30 through 34, where we're having the disciples coming back and talking to Jesus. One, he is talking about that their people are just coming and going. They aren't able to really rest and relax and really just converse the way he would like. So then they, he wants to go somewhere private or more private so he can really listen to these people. So one, we're getting the listening of Jesus. Two, we're also getting this image of how he wants to hear about their experiences. He wants to kind of be able to engage with them and to probably to discuss different things with them on this and to give them rest there was no time to eat but you would think also he wanted to rest with them for a while he comes out at the end of verse 31 so we now get also a teaching of making sure we have rest after this type of thing we have also this idea that he wants to listen and for me i start thinking about this 
And if you've never read Freedoms of a Christian by Martin Luther, I'm a huge proponent of it. I think the church as a whole needs to read it again and have our congregations know that better. To give you the brief summary, Luther breaks it down into two parts. You have the inner person and outer person. The inner person being your your relationship with God and the outer person being because of the relationship you have with God, sharing it with others. But the part that I see with this is kind of the final thing that makes it a loop is because of that interaction that you have with others, you go back and talk to God about it. And I see that coming through here in Jesus and how he wants to have this interaction back with us. And so then he starts talking about these people when they land the ship wanting to hear this. So we have the nourishment that he has been able to give his disciples by saying, let's get on a boat so I can actually listen to you and discuss and hear what's going on with you and making sure that they're okay, nourishment wise. But then you have this crowd of people who are needing to be fed when they arrive. So the verses we get omitted here is Jesus going and feeding the people. And again, then right here at the end, coming in from 54 through 56, we have the healings, the nourishment that Christ is giving us. Just like a shepherd would be taking care of his flock and really acknowledging that, I think it's so beautiful. I think also that when I was going through with reading about sheep, if you look into the Jeremiah reading, the first verse is, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter my sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. We know this is also an acknowledgement of the kings and rulers at the time. But one of the things I was very surprised by when I was doing my research on sheep is sheep can go through pastures much faster than even cattle when they graze. They also go toward, they don't like woody and high stuff. They want stuff low, and they're going to go real low and keep it really tight to the ground. So it can be very hard if you don't kind of keep moving the sheep and letting the grass or diverse ground cover and letting that ground cover be able to come back for these sheep. So that gives us also kind of a different image of what a shepherd should be doing, being led and being able to be moved and and go to these different places, kind of like what we get in the 23rd Psalm. But remembering that in our life, that there's going to be seasons and different things, and that's probably partially why. If we are being compared to sheep, sheep can't just graze the same thing over and over and over and over and over. It will kill that environment. It will make it so it cannot grow. And that we need to continue to diversify and continue to go into new places and try different things. Because a shepherd isn't going to let his sheep graze the same area all the time. That's part of the wiseness of this. And that how, in this case, we're going to be able to be fruitful and multiply like the Lord is promising in this region. We have to be able and willing to grow. Have to be willing and able to move. Have to be willing and able to change things up. And that can be hard. We have this great psalm, the 23rd psalm, going through what it is like to be led by the Lord and what that's going to be and that we don't need to fear that he is there beside us. I would highly recommend looking at that video because it gives you a kind of a different perspective on what it is like to have a shepherd for his sheep. We don't see that. They were a very farming culture people at this time. And we lose that because we're not that anymore. 
So it is important to be able to see that type of imagery. But I also want to focus a little bit here on the end of the Ephesians reading. So we're going to pick it up here in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also the members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is where that section ties it back to that alternative first reading. It's the people. It's the people working together to make and form the body of Christ. And that's what's so important. We have young sheep looking for the older sheep. What should we be doing? But the older sheep are even obedient to the shepherd. One of the things that I've been kind of going through, I've mentioned before that the home church that I'm going through is going through a pastoral change. We have a bridge pastor right now. And it's the transition of leadership within the church. What I mean by that is that as a herd, we still have the shepherd being God. And when we have God as our shepherd, we then have our elders within our congregation that are helping to lead the church. This, in a major fact, is the pastor. The pastor is kind of like the lead leader of the flock. But there's still councils, there's still groups of elders, there's still other groups to keep that all in check. When we're looking at these groups of sheep, they are looking to the elders, not a specific sheep in general, but the group in as a whole. So as churches go through these transitions, it's that the church is realizing that there's still a flock. They're looking for a new leader to help lead the flock to be in communication with the shepherd. But we still have to remember as a flock, we still are obedient to the shepherd as a whole. It doesn't matter the age. We have to then be able to listen. Is God telling us to do something different? Is he telling us to go and try something, to move to new pastures, to graze these new lands? This is the aspect and the beauty of the church. And so often we get wrapped up in these other things that distract us and think that it's just the pastor that is the church. And that's not the case. It is the body. It is the whole flock that is the church. We are a flock of Christians as the church, and we need to reflect the shepherd, but we are still a flock. And so we need to figure out where are we needing to grow? Are we needing to move to different hills? Do we need to move to new pastures? When is it that the Lord is telling us to wait and to look? When is he telling us just to rest and acknowledge what is being done? And when is he telling us to move? It's time to go. When is it that time to drink and, and be refreshed by still waters? And when is it time to go through hard times? Go through the darkest valley. When is that? That's a hard thing. Because you can look at it as a congregation, as a faith community, but also as an individual. And that, I think, is where the rubber really meets the road. I think it's when we're taking these times and looking at these things, especially when you're in the season of Pentecost. 
that it's a season of growth. It's a season for us to really contemplate and to dig into these deep issues. I've said that before, and I truly believe that. This is the time. It's awesome. But come back to the end of that Ephesians reading. It's us coming together that makes the temple of the Lord. And it's us being together spiritually, making the dwelling place for God. David is wanting to build an actual house to house the Lord. And the Lord has said, I am out. I am moving. We need to get the community at large to hold this, to entrap this, know what this is. Know that I'm not just in one place, which is amazing because then we have the Holy Spirit come later. But he is already laying the foundation for that with David. We are the embodiment of that. The Christ is moving all around us through the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy as us as sheep to just feel like we're on our own because we can't see the shepherd, we can't see the elders. Where am I supposed to be going? But we have to remember we're part of a larger flock and knowing that we do have a shepherd, but we also have to do work together as a flock for protection, for growth, for leadership. It's such an important thing. So the Twitter question I think for this week is where does your flock need growth? And when I say flock, I'm meaning like spiritual community, whatever you're going to define that as. Where does your flock need growth? That's a tough question because it hits the root of who you are and who the root of whatever spiritual community you're in. It's a deep question, but a very important question. And if we're going to be continually compared to sheep, we need to understand sheep, at least at a basic level, so that we know what that means. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your concerns. I'd love if you know more stuff about sheep. Send me some information. Teach me some stuff about sheep. Because it's a metaphor that is used a lot. And I think as a congregation, as faith communities, as leaders in the church, we ought to understand sheep then. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.